Hello, and welcome to the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. My name is Lonnie Harmon. I am also known as the Dating Counselor. And today we are going to talk about fear of commitment. Do you identify as being someone who has a fear of commitment? Have you been in a relationship with someone who had a fear of commitment? What is the actual solution? Is the solution a breakup? Is the solution to hang on for dear life? Well, you're going to find out because today we're going to go through the highs and lows of commitment phobia. Uh, So let's go. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here. It's so wonderful to be able to share with you this conversation topic, the fear of commitment, because I feel like this is something that I experienced myself and I see quite a lot. It's a common question that comes up like, am I being picky? Am I just waiting for this certain feeling to show up uh, a certain person? Or sometimes people get really stuck on this. I really want it to feel organic. I want to just have something start like a meet cute in the real world. I'm not swiping, but we organically meet. And for whatever reason, how you meet and the progress of your relationship gives you uh, the sign, quote, air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, sign that everything is on the up and up and good and therefore you should commit. So what is it about commitment that is so scary and like how does it show up? Well, the first thing I want to kind of highlight is that in modern dating, the reason that commitment is such a hard thing to do is that there are so many choices. If you remember back in the day when the little house was on the prairie, there weren't a lot of other little houses on the prairie. So you didn't have a lot of options and you were exposed to the same types of personalities and people's through a a continuous course of time and you got to know each other and people generally improve upon closer acquaintance. Uh, And so, you know, you can adjust and and make a life together and um, find that you can be really happy. But nowadays with the advent of technology and, you know, even just something as much as modern cities and cars and transportation and things, um, you can access the opportunity to meet many, many more people. And when you are showing your personality and introducing yourself to other people and they are doing the same to you, you're going to develop an energy and a kind of a chemistry with them that is going to lend you to feeling like, oh, I think I want to get to know them more, which is wonderful. We always want to get to know people more. I think the more people that you have in your acquaintance pool, you know, you can network and you can generate um, great business contacts and uh, friendships and, and things like that. But it can also be exhaustive when it comes to finding a romantic relationship. So it's one of the issues that we have right off the gate is uh, the fear of commitment can come from the fact that you have that fear of missing out, that FOMO. I don't know... This is this is a little uh, inside side note for all of my Utah listeners. <laughs> FOMO is like a big thing in Utah. There's like so much FOMO that like you can see how collectively we are starting to um, generate a lot of similarities just in random weird things. Let's talk soda shops for a second. So I moved into... Um, 
let's say, I'll just say I'm in Davis County. Okay. So Davis County is a county that is uh, north of Salt Lake County. Now in Salt Lake County, there are a lot of soda shops and I could drive to a variety of different soda shops at any given day. And I could compare and contrast, or I might just be in a different area and think, I want a soda. I'm going to go get one from here and here. When I moved to Davis County, I could not find any of the soda shops that I wanted to go to. I couldn't even find one that was familiar to me. But now it's been years and there are soda shops all around me. And I'm back to my, you know, comfort zone of I can go to any soda shop that I want. So there's this thing that we're doing in in Utah where it's like, oh, I'm I'm going to miss out on this opportunity to have this great business and people are going to really want this interesting product because everybody in Utah really likes sodas. We have this whole, I don't know, cult following of dirty sodas and flavored sodas and all these different things that um, so much so that when I was traveling out of state, I was like, what am I going to do? Should I bring my coconut syrup with me? Like, is this going to be okay? (laughs) And now it's kind of jumping into the cookie shops. There's a lot of cookie shops because you want your cookies delivered to you and you want them with this layer of frosting and these different things and and these Stanley cups and these things that I love Utah about. But we have this like kind of FOMO of of, I'm going to move to a different area and I'm going to have all the amenities and all these things that I need. Um, We just have this bigger, better, best thing that we just we crave the biggest house. We, we want the house that has the movie theater and the pool. And we want the boat and we want the four wheelers. And we just kind of want more and more and more. And so much so that this becomes kind of like standardized measurements for success. So when you're looking at perhaps your spouse and thinking of, you know, a life partner, you're doing some of those same things. You're trying to maximize who you're getting. You want XYZ and you want to be able to predict XYZ and you want, you know, they're their hair color or their skin or their weight or their genetic makeup or all these things that you feel like you're pre-screening some kind of artificial intelligence. And it's important to note that people are not artificially intelligent beings. (laughs) They are actual human beings with real feelings and emotions. And you will connect with them based on um, an unexplainable feeling that you have and an energy that you create with each other uh, called chemistry that is generated by being around each other. So this fear of commitment, what we want to do first and foremost is we want to narrow down your choices and we want to not expose you to having so many choices that you get overwhelmed, which means find someone that you feel comfortable with, that you feel like you're having um, this, I feel like I can be myself moment. And keep seeing them. We don't stop dating because we're thinking, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out. We don't stop until it's a stop, like a hard stop. Like this is a non-negotiable. This is something that we are not going to agree on. Um, Side note, non-negotiables, like I want kids, they don't. Or I have kids, they aren't comfortable with step parenting. Those types of things are ways that we are just saying like non-negotiables. Okay. So, um, Let's pause there for a second. And when we come back, what I'm going to tell you about is the signs of commitment issues in yourself. Let's talk signs of commitment issues that you might find in yourself. It's not always easy to recognize these kinds of patterns, especially if it's a short term relationship. But this will hopefully get you kind of thinking, even if this is something that's preventing you from getting into a relationship. AKA, 
I just think people that have commitment issues struggle with wanting to date seriously. So I feel like you need to understand and know that if you're not interested in actually dating seriously, that's okay. You can be in that space, but you need to be able to take ownership and communicate that you're just interested in getting to know someone on a friendship basis and just having kind of a casual romantic relationship. But many people are looking for a long-term romantic partner or at least a partner that would be able to share life with them for a period of time because when you have a partner, life is enhanced and it is a little bit easier and more fun. So number one sign here would be you just don't want to date seriously and you just can't break that feeling. Number two, you don't think about the future of a relationship. When you are with somebody and they're wanting to make long-term plans, it gives you a high level of anxiety because you're like, oh my gosh, are we ever going to be, you know, in three months and go on that trip? Sure, I want to go on that trip. No, I'm not going to put money down on it. Uh, That's a sign. Sometimes another um, thing that I see a lot that happens with avoidant partners, and it can be also a sign of the sphere of commitment, is you spend a lot of time questioning the relationship or maybe even the person, uh, kind of questioning their level of love for you, their level of interest in you, um, wondering you know, what's going to happen next? And do I like this or that kind of nitpicking? And really this ultimate, do I want it to work? Sometimes when you are with someone and you start having that kind of high level of magic wear down and you're just doing day in and day out, what happens is that you recognize that being in this really high level of emotion, this honeymoon stage, just isn't sustainable. It's not sustainable because physically your body can't sustain it. You need rest. Uh, You need to be able to kind of take time away to, uh, you know, take time for yourself. And it's also not sustainable because you can't sustain other relationships. um, And you, you know, tend to fade out of them. And so this wanting it to work thing kind of comes into now I need to move this into balance. This uh, not wanting to make plans, so you're kind of leaving things hazy, like, oh, we'll just maybe we'll see, or maybe let's see how the week goes. I feel like just as a little caveat, I see this a lot in online dating, Um, the sphere of commitment, like people want to kind of get somebody on the hook. They want to know that they want to date, but then next thing you know, they don't really actually follow through with like the person says, yes, I want to go on a date. Yes, I'm available this day. And then they just fade into the sunset. They just want that validation that, oh, yep, I caught them. They want to go on a date with me and I'm not actually going to follow through with it. You just don't make plans with them. So when if you see yourself inside of this, um, I don't want to commit things, then, you know, just know that you're within normal limits of probably a normal human process, but that you need to take responsibility for it and not go out there and act as though like you are ready. So let me just uh, share a little a little tale. It's time for story time of my dating history that will help you to see what fear of commitment looked like in me. <laughs> this one goes back to uh, the early days of dating. <laughs> I don't even remember how old I was, but definitely before my mission. Uh, there was this... Uh, relationship that had started that was going really well. Um, There was good energy and um, chemistry and we were really enjoying time with each other and, you know, doing different activities and how it had really good like recreational compatibility and our uh, emotional compatibility wasn't quite there. I had a hard time articulating 
exactly what I meant. Like I knew emotion words. I knew that I was feeling emotion, but I had a hard time having my brain and my mouth connect to make those words come out in a way that was like, at this time, I am feeling this. And so I tended to communicate in terms of absolutisms, like I don't want to do that at all ever, or I am 100% all in. This is what has to happen. And there was never like a maybe or I could I could think about that or I would grow into that or I might be interested in that later. There was never just this intention for growth. It was just like I am all in or I'm all out. And I think that lended to some frustration on my partner's part because there was just this kind of inflexibility that I was demonstrating and what happened at that point was that I was interested in serving a mission. And um, for those of you who may not be familiar, I've talked about this in other episodes, but a mission is for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's when you don't date for a period of time at that time for women is a year and a half. And I you had to be 21 to go. And I would be leaving where I was living and, you know, living somewhere else and not dating for that period of time. And so you don't tend to go on a mission with a boyfriend uh, because you don't actually see them. And at that time, I mean, this this is going to age me, but like we didn't Skype. <laughs> there wasn't a cell phone. <laughs> we wrote handwritten letters that we put a postage stamp on. And every week I would send those on a certain day and receive those and respond. And we talked to our families twice a year on Mother's Day and Christmas and There usually wasn't a a boyfriend or a significant other allowed to be there because it would distract you. I remember going into my mission and one of the first articles they said was called Lock Your Heart. (laughs) I'm glad that that we're moving away from some of that. But anyway, (laughs) this kind of gives you the stage for the frame of mind that I was in. I think I was having a really hard time committing to this relationship because I didn't see a future of us being able to maintain a connection and correspond while I was on my mission. And I didn't want that. I didn't want that connection with him while I was there. I didn't want to have that distraction or what I felt like would be a distraction. I was projecting that. Who's to say he would have been? Who's to say he wouldn't have been really respectful? I made that choice all by myself, which wasn't super kind of me for the record. But as we were having this kind of conversation about you know where we see this going and things, the only answer I was saying was, well, I'm going on a mission. And that wasn't filled with paragraphs of information. It was supposed to infer to him, like, well, this isn't going to happen. And so his response was always, well, I could wait for you. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what to do about that. (laughs) So I wouldn't say anything. I would just get quiet. Eventually, I think I said something along the lines of, like, let's take a break, borrowing from friends, which was popular at the time. They were on a break. (laughs) Side note, poll, were Ross and Rachel on a break? (laughs) Maybe I'll put that on my post for my uh, Instagram. Anyway, we took a break and the break ended up being like, I did not contact him at all. Like at all. This poor guy. (laughs) I put my papers in. I didn't invite him to the opening of my calling. And I remember being, um, giving my address at church to kind of like um, say goodbye to the congregation, which was a, a common practice at the time. And he walked in the back of the chapel and I saw him at that moment and I was like oh I didn't do anything about that and like that was the moment that I kind of felt like a really bad person and just didn't know what to do and you know bless his heart he he was a very um he was very kind about it he was very careful he didn't like attack me or come at me or you know say anything or disparage my name amongst our friends or anything like that he was very respectful 
And, you know, we shook hands and I went on my way and uh, he was married when I got home. And that's how that's how the story usually goes. Right. What I should have done is said, I have a fear of committing to this long term relationship because I don't see a future of us being able to correspond and stay connected and me being able to stay focused. What do you think? And hopefully he would have had an opportunity to say, you know, well, if you do feel that way in the field, then I will back off. But would you feel comfortable if we gave it a, a try? Um, sometimes there's there's a maybe and we, there's an unknown and you kind of have to follow through with the unknown to decide, yes, it is a distraction and yes, I don't want it versus just assuming that it will be or assuming that this is how it's going to turn out. Fear of commitment can look like having the relationship in your head by yourself. I'm going to make all these decisions about how I think this is going to be, how I think this is going to go, what I think the results are going to be, and I'm just going to play it all out in my head and I'm not going to communicate with my partner or give them an opportunity to perform or you know, communicate outside of this persona that I have created in my head for them. And it's really unfair. So thankfully... You know, that worked out for the best, I think, for all of us. Um, but I do still I do still carry that little person of poor dating skills in my heart. And I think she she's I'm glad she was there because she helped me transform into who I am now, which is someone who hopefully does a lot better. But that uh, if you see yourself inside of that, just know, like, use your words. <laughs> That's the number one thing I could say to you. Use your words. So. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the emotional connection that is a component of fear of rejection and commitment. The Dating Counselor Podcast Season 5 is brought to you by Bonded. Bonded is Utah's first permanent jeweler. It was created by two childhood best friends that wanted an exciting bonding experience, you know, like getting a friendship tattoo, but, you know, with less commitment. When they couldn't find a bonding experience like that, they created one and they created it with permanent jewelry. Permanent jewelry is unique because it doesn't have a clasp and it's custom fit to you. So it's bonded onto you with a spark or with a flame. I really love the beautiful jewelry that they offer. You can do chain jewelry and they released recently their own exclusive bonded bangles. All of their jewelry is 14 karat gold or sterling silver, and it can be worn every day. I'm always talking with you guys about connection and bonded jewelry, I feel like is this really unique way to remind yourself of someone special that you're then bonded to, or maybe a significant life event or even a commitment that you've made. I really know that you're going to love bonded jewelry as much as you love the meaning behind it. Learn more about them on Instagram at Bonded Bracelets or head over to bondedbracelets.com to schedule your bonding experience. So jumping back in here to fear of commitment, one of the issues that can happen is that you just don't emotionally attach with the partner. If you recall what attachment means, it means that you are connected and that you and your partner feel this mutual affinity for each other to care, and you care to show up for each other and you care to be responsive and helpful for each other. So it's this decision of I'm going to communicate with you and I am going to be responsive to that communication. 
if you don't do that pattern, then the emotional attachment doesn't happen as well. And sometimes in the initial spaces of dating, we don't do the emotion work because of this. I'm going to just kind of keep this at arm's length and I'm going to push this away. So interestingly enough, uh, research from 2010 says that uh, romantic relationships suggest that commitment is an effort to secure the romantic attachment. So feelings of commitment can develop as a response to feelings of worry or fear of losing the partner. If you feel securely attached and want the relationship to continue, you're more likely to do the work required to make it last. So this is where we get into this, the chicken or the egg. Do I feel this tremendous, overwhelming desire to commit to this person and then that makes me commit? Or do I choose to commit and then the emotional uh, desire and showing up and feeling that reward comes at that point. So this is my thoughts. I always expected that the first one was true. I was going to feel this overwhelming emotional desire to stay with this person. And I was going to feel this overwhelming, you know, my brain was taken over and I had to commit. I was compelled to commit. But I'm speaking as someone who has anxiety, someone who struggles with uh wondering what I'm feeling, if it's anxiety or if it's actually my intuition. And in the years of dating and trying to discern the difference, what I learned is that anxiety and uh, this high level of emotional connection and desire for commitment kind of felt the same way for me. And so I wasn't sure which one it was and I wasn't sure which one to trust. So for me, I had to choose the commitment and allow the emotion to be present, meaning I had to give permission for the emotion to come in afterwards. So I've shared this story before, but just as a a, a little context here, when I was dating my husband, he had decided that he wanted us to be exclusive. And he asked me if I would be his girlfriend. And I said, that's neat. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm going out with some other guy right now. And he said, cool. Well, can I still take you out? Would you still like to go out with me? And it was this super secure response that I was not expecting. And I said, yes, I actually really would like to go out with you. And I went out with this other guy and then I went out with my husband and then I went out with this other guy. And this went on for a little while until uh, I was just kind of staying stuck. Like I just didn't know what to do because the real answer was I was scared. I was scared to commit. I was scared of what that would look like. And I was waiting for this overwhelming, compelling feeling of emotion to just hijack my brain so that I was like, I have to commit to this guy. But I'm just such a freaking logical soul that the emotion was there, but I just was like keeping it at bay. And one night he looked at me and he just said, you know, how's it going with this other guy? And I said, it's good. And it was, the other guy was really upstanding, just really sweet. And we had really fun dates. And he said, do you, are you still going to go out with him again? And I said, you know, I haven't decided. I don't really know. And he said, can I share some observations? And I was like, sure. And he said, you know, when you talk about him, he seems great. But when you and I talk and you kind of talk to me and about me, he said, you don't look at him the way that you look at me. And I was like, oh, I am caught red handed. Because it was 100% true. He had this little quality about him and this little glimmer in his eyes, this little um, 
it created this sense of anticipation inside of me, this sense of hope, this sense of like, gosh, I really wonder, I'm really curious about what the next step is. And that was that, that's what that emotion, that's how I would define that emotion of being kind of compelled. Like, I'm just really curious and I don't want it to stop. I want to keep going. And he had caught me. I, I did. I was, I was looking at him with that sense of like, gosh, I feel like life with you would be really fun and exciting, but also really comfortable and stable. So I took the the next, I think it was probably 24 hours to really consider and make the choice of like, am I going to commit to this? And I remember driving home from work and being at this specific intersection on the road and being like, this is a choice. This is actually a choice. You're not necessarily going to allow yourself to feel all these feelings of being compelled to do this. You are going to be making the choice and deciding to commit and then having to enter into the space of the unknown and figure out what that feels like. And you might flounder around a little bit and it might feel terrible. But when you go into that unknown space, you're going to feel uh, growth. And isn't that what you want after all? So the decision wasn't necessarily this compelling, oh my gosh, I have to be with this guy. It was the decision of, do I want growth? And do I feel like there's an opportunity for growth here? And also, of course, I was really falling in love with him and I was really interested in spending time with him. It wasn't like this like bureaucratic black and white blah. Like he was really fun and it was really fun to kiss him and it was really fun to be with him. And I really loved all of those things. And I just decided at that moment, like, I'm going to let that continue. And it required me to be brave. So when we come back, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about being brave and how that can help you with this fear of commitment. Okay, we're going to talk about being brave in relationships. This segment should be sponsored by um, Defying Gravity or some other big, beautiful Broadway moment that has this song that compels you to move forward and defy your fears and work through the you know things that are holding you back that are making it so that you're feeling like, I can't do it. I can't be brave. But I'm not going to sing Broadway for you. That's not my skill. <laughs> my skill is telling you about how I feel. So <laughs> what we're going to share is this concept of how bravery is actually probably the key component that is making your relationships struggle and your uh, fear of commitment just stay present in your life. When you're brave, what you're what you're being asked to do is to dig deep inside of yourself and say, okay, I have this fear or I have this anxiety or I have something that's going on for me emotionally that is physically making me feel like this behavior that I have to do to be brave, such as showing up on the date or holding their hand or saying, yes, I would like to commit or something like that. This behavior is just impossible for me to do because I have all these fears and I'm not going to be able to articulately, excuse me, to articulate my fears and try to work to resolve them because it's just too overwhelming to me. I am too flooded or I'm too distracted by work or I just absolutely choose not to. So what it means is that you actually have to say, hey, I'm going to notice these skills and I or these emotions and things that are happening and I'm just going to let them sit here. I'm going to notice them. I'm going to kind of, you know, not expect that they go away, but I'm actually just going to focus my behavior on moving forward. I'm going to try. I'm going to show up and I'm going to try. I'm going to hold their hand. I'm going to put my arm around them. I'm going to spend some time together with them. We're going to make plans for the future. I'm going to let them meet my mother. Uh, Those types of things. I'm going to actually do the behavior 
because typically when you have the relationship in your head and you're thinking all these things on your own, one of the things that's holding you back is this fear of what that could look like or feel like. And you need to actually be in the behavior of doing some of those things before you're going to know what it looks like and feels like. So here's another little story time. Uh, Husband and I, we were dating, we're committed, we're boyfriend, girlfriend. And he says, okay, cool, let's go meet my family. And I'm like, great, that'll be so fun. They are um, up in Park City doing their uh, summer family vacation. He says, come up for a night, we'll play games and you can meet everybody. And I said, sure. Well, we're driving up and if you know the geography, we get to Kimball Junction, we're at the stoplight and I feel myself starting to hyperventilate. I'm like, oh my gosh, a panic attack is coming. I hadn't ever had a panic attack in front of him before at this point. And I didn't anticipate the one was coming because I had been congruent. Yes, I did want to go. And he he says, what's the matter? And I said, "Ah, we got to pull over, like turn the AC on, roll down the windows, do something. I'm like, I am really, really scared to meet your family. And thankfully, he wasn't like, oh, okay, well, let's turn around. Or he was just like, I don't really care. You're going to do it anyway. (laughs) He said, help me understand uh, what your fear is. And I said, I'm not exactly sure, to be honest with you, what my fear is. Because up until five minutes ago, I felt like it was fine. But something in my body is saying, like, this is really scary. Can you help me process? How adorable is it that my husband was like, sure, I will process with you. (laughs) What a keeper. Anyway, so... What we uncovered is that my fear was that I was going to attach to them and that they would attach to me. And then our relationship would carry the pressure of them wanting it to succeed versus just being owned by us. And we were the ones that were deciding if we wanted to move forward or if we didn't, that somehow their involvement in it would usurp our um, ability to choose for ourselves that we were going to have to please them. Now, this comes from a place of me kind of growing up as a very, like, you know, being taught to be nice, being taught to be kind and kind of turning into a people pleaser. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I always want to make people happy and I can't meet your family and then have us break up and then make them sad. That'll just be terrible. And I don't want to do any harm to anybody. And so I'm just going to, you know, if I stay away from them, then I won't do any harm. And he was very loving and he just said, you know, um, no offense. And I mean this in the best way, but you're not the first girl I brought home. (laughs) And I was like, that's true. That was actually a relief thing for me. And he said, and two, um, I need you to just trust that they, that they're adults and that they can handle that. And they're going, they're going to like you. I'm sure that they will. I wouldn't bring anybody home that I didn't think that they would, wouldn't like, but also that they can mitigate this and kind of handle this on their, on their own and that you don't need to have that fear. And so then the second fear was, well, what if they don't like me? And how is that going to influence your decision making about me? And it went down to the same thing of him just saying, like, I'm really secure in my ability to make my own decisions. And I want you to meet my family because they're important to me, but not because I make decisions with them and for them. That was a wonderful relief for me to hear and something that I had worked on as well. Like I loved my family, but I was in the same space. I just need to be able to be brave and make my own decisions. And I wanted us as a couple to be able to make our decisions together. So be brave and show up for yourself in this decision-making and turn to each other as a couple and say, what do we want? And how do we want it to go? And, you know, let other people stand their ground of, of resolving things and uh, making things happen for themselves. If it doesn't work out that the trust that they will be okay and that you don't, you're not the great and powerful Oz that, you know, 
are responsible for everybody else's feelings. Like you need to just take responsibility for you and for uh, how you show up in that relationship and being brave there. So uh, being brave is hard and you need to kind of give yourself a lot of uh, rest and hydration and support people that will allow you to be brave. And so I would just want to encourage you to take good care of yourself as you're dating and doing these relationship um development skills because it's going to be a little bit exhausting to experience that growth but it's so worth it relationships bring us uh, a better perspective of ourselves and and they as well as enhancing life and i think that's the reason that we do it so i just you know wrapping up here this episode is really important to me fear of commitment is something that many people struggle with so i hope that you have been able to jot down a couple of notes and got you know catch a couple of pearls of Uh, things that you could work on or things that you could offer. If you see this inside of yourself, if you see this inside of someone you're dating, it's going to require both of you to be brave. So I would encourage you to look into that. And if you feel like there's more to it than than the behavior suggestions that I've made, look into getting into individual therapy, into couples therapy, and find that judgment-free zone where you can work through whatever is happening for you. So Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. And I truly wish you the best day ever. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Dating Counselor Podcast. I'm Lonnie Harmon, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm on a mission to help singles navigate the modern dating world. You can learn more about my course, Foundations for Modern Dating, at thedatingcounselor.com slash courses. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook at The Dating Counselor, or email me at Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at thedatingcounselor.com. You'll find a full list of everything mentioned in this episode in the show notes at thedatingcounselor.com slash podcast. If you have a friend who would enjoy this episode, I would love if you pass it along. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Thank you again for tuning in. See you soon. Smile at the People is a nonprofit organization that does exactly what their name says. Smile at the People. Their goal is simple, to spread joy and light. The business was started by two cousins who wanted to carry on their grandma's legacy after she passed. Smile at the people is the phrase she told her family their entire lives, and it's a phrase that she lived. She made friends with anyone who ever crossed her path and always had a seat at her table for everyone who needed it. She decided to put her lifelong phrase on a sweatshirt for the family members and quickly realized more than just family loved the message and they wanted to represent it and live it. The apparel itself spreads positivity and happiness to those wearing it and to those reading it across someone's chest. Even more, profits are donated to those nominated to receive extra smiles. Everything from groceries and gas cards to bird feeders and memorial benches. You can be part of this positive movement by visiting their website, smileatthepeople.org, by following along on Instagram at smileatthepeopleLLC, and on Facebook as well at Smile at the People.